My guest today on Surfing the Psychic Waves is Hazel Courtney. Hazel Courtney was the UK's first alternative health advice columnist with her column, What's the Alternative, in the Daily Mail, and she soon became an acknowledged expert on health and metaphysical issues. In 1998, she underwent a near-death experience that triggered huge amounts of paranormal phenomena to occur in her presence. She tells this incredible story in her book, Divine Intervention, and the sequel, The Evidence for the Sixth Sense. Hazel is also well known for a number of very successful health books, including 500 of the most important health tips you'll ever need. Today, we're talking about Hazel's latest book, Countdown to Coherence. You can find it at Amazon and at Barnes & Noble. Countdown to Coherence presents cutting-edge discoveries about the nature of the universe in a language that's easily understood and weaves these wide-ranging facts, theories, and findings from several of the world's leading scientists into a fast-paced story that leads to some incredible thought-provoking conclusions. I was so excited to talk to Hazel Courtney because I have a background in biotechnology for over 17 years, and that actually went side-by-side with my spiritual awakening and development and, and trainings. So I'm excited to talk to Hazel about the merging of science and spirituality. Joining me in the interview is Karen Sheeks of Mount Shasta Moments, also on Align Radio. So let's get to it. So you're talking about you like the idea of doing science and spirituality side by side. Yeah. Well, I think, to be honest, you see, because I was a journalist when I had my incredible spiritual emergency kundalini breakthrough Uh, my spiritual walk-in and all the things that were happening to me all those years ago. Um, As a journalist with the Sunday Times, like once it was all over, I wanted to know what had gone on. And I think the only way forward is for, um, I mean, we can all claim whatever we like. I mean, you girls know how many times have you met someone that says, oh, you have a Tibetan monk in your aura. You were once an Egyptian high priestess. You were once Arkhanatan's daughter, or whatever it is that they say, you know. There's so many people saying all this stuff, but proving it is an entirely different matter. And so I was desperate to understand how I was able to affect for a time what some people would call miracles. And that's what set me on the journey. And that's how I came to uh, travel out to Arizona. And first of all, I took part in the um, afterlife experiments with Gary Schwartz, because during my many months of my heightened experience, um, I had what's known as a walk-in when um, a very beautiful deceased person came into my energy field. So like there were two of us in here for quite a long time. Mm. But because I was claiming to have had connection to this person who was incredibly famous, um, Gary said, oh, yeah. you know, Gary said he couldn't... Um, He couldn't prove any of the other things, but he was willing to test me, even though he thought I was just completely gaga. Um, (laughs) But after he'd tested me, um, we did remote trials. We did on-site trials in Arizona under control conditions. He said that the the results were so jaw-dropping that he went on to write two of the forwards for two of my spiritual – two out of the three of my spiritual books – And um, he has been a great mentor for me and he's taught me a lot about science. But the main point to get over is that science now has proven and demonstrated what is um, the basis of true enlightenment in science. And they found out that it's known as 
total brain coherence. And this is when um, the left side of the brain and the right side of the brain are acting in a coherent way. They are acting as one whole unit. Um, in other words, the brain, the whole brain becomes totally synchronized in that brain waves rise and fall together. So true masters of the self um, are not only walking between this reality and other realities, they and their mother, father, God really have become as one because the underlying field of intelligence that we live inside of, that you, you literally become at one with that field of intelligence. And so you no longer have a huge amount of interest in your physical body because you just want to live your light. And it's the most wonderful and blissful state to be in. Oh, yeah. You know, I think it's interesting, too, that more people are starting to ask the question, how do I attain uh, a level of coherence that's more than I've ever known and walk in my physical body and be in my earth life? And, and how, do, how, do, how do you play that at the same time? Well, I think that um, obviously when I was at the height of my experience, I mean, Bill Tiller, who's one of the world's greatest living physicists, I believe, anyway, he spent 50 years at Stanford studying consciousness and matter. And I, I'm, I'm going to answer your question in a second, but I just have to come back to this and then your listeners will understand. I said to Bill, I said, Bill, what is God to you? And he said, in the beginning, everything, all things, all levels of energy were one. In the beginning, everything was totally coherent, which is what God is. In physics, they term it being in phase. But he said to me, there can only be stability in a dynamic state of change. So when I was in that totally coherent space, I swung wildly. It's like it's very hard to stay in neutral. It was like I was standing on a pinhead on the top of Mount Everest, trying not to fall off of the pinhead. And so one day I'd be having panic attacks and vomiting and being really afraid. And then on other days, I was so blissful, I was almost beginning to dematerialize because I was in so much bliss. I was just like becoming a being of light. And so going back to your question, we can all we have to do is get a balance. So attain to attain brain coherence. There are many, many ways to do it. And of course, one of the best is to meditate regularly, because when you meditate, you tune into what they call the vacuum level of reality, which is basically the space between your thoughts. And as you allow your mind to settle down and be quiet on a physical level, um, your hormones start to balance, your adrenals um, are put under less pressure. So Therefore, over time, you find that you can cope with more stress, um, but without getting so like, you know, such a big fight or flight adrenaline rush. Um, your arteries are healthier. Your immune system's better. You sleep better. You can also um, chant. Uh, there's a wonderful lady called Jill Purse, J-I-L-L, -L, and then Purse, P-U-R-C-E. And I recommend anyone to look at her website. She is married to the very famous biologist, Rupert Sheldrake, Dr. Sheldrake. 
and here in the UK, and she's world famous at overtone chanting. And you can uh, buy her overtone DVDs and many other people's uh, chanting DVDs, and that also helps to bring your brain towards coherence. And what happens is over time, um, also, of course, you're looking after your diet a bit. You are getting some exercise. You are thinking pleasant thoughts. You are not sending out evil thoughts to people. You know, I mean, it's very hard today um, not to judge people or situations or what you read in the papers. But we all pretty much know now that not all of that is true. I mean, this is a huge subject that you're asking me questions on, as you ladies know. Mm -hmm. Um, But if once you learn to become more quiet and you couple with what Bill Tiller calls the etheric level, it's called the magnetic information wave level that is outside of our space-time. Once you create a sacred space and you have an intention to couple with this other reality, which they've now proven exists, um, then an area within the center of the brain called the thalamus, this is not the thymus, this is the thalamus in the center of the brain, which Mm. is linked to sight, touch, smell, hearing, and so on, starts to wake up. It starts to ramp up. So when I had my experience, when my Kundalini blew in Harrods, um, which is a very famous store in London, on April the 8th, 1998, within seconds, I could hear spirit. Um, I could smell energies. I could feel energies. I could see people's potential futures. I became pretty much telepathic for quite some time. Um, And so as, in other words, my thalamus had woken up big time all one time. Mm. But if you do it slowly and in a controlled way, then it's far safer. And as your psychic abilities or what you call your intuition grows, then you learn when it's coming, when the information is coming from your ego and when it's coming from truly a higher dimensional space and you learn to trust your intuition more. Um, and once you are working for the good of the whole rather than just yourself, then miracles start to happen. So true. I totally agree with you. I'm interested in the, uh, the coupling between uh, the, did you call it the magnetic resonance field? I'll, I'll, I'll go through that again because it's really, really fascinating because many years ago I read in this channel book that the um, blending, now what, I can't remember the exact words, but they're all in the book, but um, it said that the marrying of electro, electric and magnetic energies was one of the greatest secrets in the Egyptian mystery schools that pupils had to master. And when I went to visit physicist Bill Tiller in um, America, what he's shown is, okay, how do I explain this? Okay, our normal down-to-earth world that you and I are now sitting in that we see around us, which is a minuscule fraction (laughs) of what our physical universe consists of, Um, We call this the electric atom molecule physical world. So that's here now you and I. 
Um, but then what Bill has discovered is there is another level of reality called the magnetic information wave level that's previously been known as the etheric level that um, exists outside of physical space-time, because obviously we live in space and linear time. And once you have the intention to couple with this other level of reality, then basically you become capable of what I would call miracles. And they have demonstrated what they did was they got four meditators um, and by the way, um, please don't let my oversimplification of his amazing science diminish what these people have <laughs> achieved because, you know, I'm a very down to earth person. But Bill um, sat four experienced meditators around a table and they pulsed into a very simple electric, uh, a, a black box that was plugged into an electrical point. Uh, they pulsed an intention into that black box. So here you have information going into a black box, but there's no actual software. We're talking about software at a mind level. Mm. And their intention originally was to raise the pH of some water by one full point, which, believe it or not, is a huge amount. And then they sent this black box. They unplugged it from the wall and they sent it 1,500 miles away to a lab. And at this lab, they had this huge tank of pure sterile water. And they then plugged in this small black box and they sealed the room. And within a month, the pH within the water had raised exactly one full point where it stayed. That's amazing. Then, you know, and then they did the same thing and lowered it. You know, they lowered the pH and then they did various things with fruit flies and enzymes. So what Tiller and his team and many other scientists have shown um, is that sustained focused intentions can modulate this um, magnetic information wave level. So once you couple with it and you know how to do it by creating sacred space, coherent space and connecting to it through your mind then truly you are able to create with your mind. Because when I, I mean, we are made out of organized energy. Um, mind and intention form patterns which form matter. So when I watched, like for instance, I was manifesting ash, but I didn't know how I was doing that. And I watched Sai Baba Manipal do it. Um, they're not manifesting uh, something from nowhere, what they're doing is their brains are so coherent that they are organizing energy so that physical events and objects can manifest in this reality. In other words, by discovering this magnetic information wave level, Tiller and others have shown how telepathy works, how distant prayer works. They have discovered an information channel that's invisible to us that's never been known before in this reality. And to current orthodox science, what they have done is actually impossible in current physics. So therefore it's a miracle. And yet many people are doing it. People in the East have been doing it for thousands of years. True masters of the self have been doing it for thousands of years, but now we have the science and know how this works. So our ability to manifest 
um, is our birthright. So as long as everybody knows that they're sustained, focused intentions and thoughts attached to their individual grid, their village grid, their country grid, and the world grid, whatever you give out is what you will get back. And so if you want to change your life, then the problem is if you've been thinking this way for like 30 or 40 years, your grid's pretty solid. But once you take your attention away from what you don't want and put your attention on what you do want, very, very slowly, all the old patterning will dissipate because you're no longer giving energy to it. Um, and the new information will attach to the grid. And that's what will come into your life. So it's really important for people to get their head around that mind and intention form patterns that form matter. So it's not the odd, oh my God, I'm really fed up today type thought, or I wish this woman would shut up, which I'm sure by now you do. Um, <laughs> it's It's more our sustained thoughts. Like we all have about 40,000 thoughts a day. And if you really think about it, what are those thoughts mainly about? And once you really start to take notice of what you're thinking, you can change the program. I mean, when I went to the Orbs conference in Sedona, which I'm sure you guys know all about Orbs, um, <laughs> I, actually, I actually saw, uh, we all saw on film and on camera, thought form orbs being emitted by coherent men and women's brains. Thoughts are things. They go somewhere. They have an effect. But now we know how that happens. You're listening to Serving the Psychic Waves with me, Christina Walsh. Thanks for tuning in. We are talking to Hazel Courtney, who's just written this beautiful book called Countdown to Coherence. You can find it at Amazon.com and BarnesandNobles.com. In this part of the interview, we're talking about Hazel Courtney's near-death experience and some of the miraculous events that followed. Well, I, th <laughs> I think because it's, you know, my journey's gone on for like 12 years. You know, I'm very grounded now, as you can hear. Um, yeah. But the point is... There are very few scientists who have had an experience such as mine. And those who decry what I went through obviously have never been through a spiritual emergency. Mm -hmm. um, and so if I had told my story to anyone before it had happened to me, I would have said to them, you need Valium and a good psychiatrist. <laughs> but I, you know, I lived through it and many people witnessed it. And then I was tested by Gary. And so then I went on to meet all these other scientists, you know, and I've even got a film on my computer of the Kundalini energy and of chakras moving. And I've even seen Kundalini energies in animals. Um, all this stuff is real. And so for all the people who are, if you like, died in the wall skeptics, I don't think we're ever going to convince them. But, hey, you know, this process isn't for everybody. But once people I mean, the world is in quite a mess right now or a huge proportion of the world is in quite a mess. So people are thinking, gee, you know, with all this money and with all these bombs and all of this power, we still can't control nature. Look at Japan. And mm -hmm. so 
all this energy is bubbling up to the surface. The truth is desperate to birth itself. And I'm not asking people to believe me, um, but when I visited these scientists, what they said resonated with me. And so, first of all, I wrote the book that was called Divine Intervention, which was a story of what happened to me, which was an incredible story in itself. But when I look back on that book, I kind of cringe at some of the things I said, you know, like Mm -hmm. the number of times I said, oh, I'm really special, you know, because my ego really came into play, which, of course, it can. And I was very muddled up. It takes you a while to sort things out. And then I wrote the second book based upon the science of enlightenment and and uh, the spirit world and oh a whole host of stuff and how to cope with a spiritual emergency. And then I thought I said to spirit, you know, then I went on to write another health book because I'm actually a health writer. Um, And then about two years ago or more, I said to spirit, I had this gut feeling that there was another book like the third book in the trilogy. And I thought, well, what am I going to write about? You know, like nobody really wants to know about irritable bowel anymore, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I said to Spirit, look, if you want me to write this third book, you're going to have to like tell me where to go. And within a week of that, within a week, I I have a very bad back and I I made an appointment to have a massage uh, with this total stranger at a place I had not been to for years. Um And this girl, her eyes were like saucers, you know, like mine had once been. And I knew that she was like what I term cooking with gas. And (laughs) I said to her, you know, I said, what's your name? And we weren't talking about physical names. And she said to me, now, this is a total stranger. I booked in my married name, not my writing name. And she said, my name's Divine Intervention. (laughs) Now, can you imagine how that like I went, whoa, whoa. And she, you know, she told me to go off and read a book uh, called The Disappearance of the Universe by a guy called Gary Renard. Mm -hmm. And the next day or a couple of days later, um, a girlfriend of mine who used to be my PA sent me an email saying, Hazel, would you like to go to this workshop next Saturday? There's this guy speaking in England. Apparently, he's really famous in America. And his name is Gary (laughs) Renard. (laughs) <laughs> so, like, you know, if you put the intention out there with spirit that you want to help, they don't muck about, do they? And so I went to see Gary and I flew to Stockholm to interview him. And the basis of his story is that we are basically little more than a hologram that's being projected from the edges, the outer reaches of our universe. And that everything that's ever going to happen is already happened. And oh, a whole load of stuff. But of course, that excited me so much because it was all quite new to me then. And that's what set me on this third journey. So I just I wanted to meet as many people as I could that could help me, if you like, complete the journey. But it seems to me that it's never quite complete while you remain in the physical body. So like I've just added a whole load more pieces to my own personal jigsaw and I'm thrilled to say it's it's uh, resonating with other people too it's totally resonating and you know as you're talking about adding pieces you you had some interesting insights in your book about jump jumping timelines and adding experiences in that way how that's possible Um, could you speak on about that a little bit 
Time and space is a huge issue that I think we're just, just, just beginning to understand. Okay, um, imagine now, uh, which I hope we don't, it's that imagine that we're all going to die tonight. So when I had my near-death experience, I was outside my physical body and I was like up on the ceiling of my bedroom looking down at this thing below me and I could see the doctor stroking my head and, and Lindsay, my ex-secretary, sitting there and everyone was like crying. And it took me a while to realize that um, it was me up there looking down at this thing and this thing was what I used to be. Um, but I was still alive who I was was still there. And so throughout this book, I've met quite a lot of people who've taught me a lot about the potential for time travel. And so now imagine we've all died and we've all become orbs. So we are plasma beings now of energy and information, but we're no longer constrained by a physical body. But the field of information that is unique to us is now still out there, okay? Mm -hmm. So you're no longer constrained by linear time. And so that means you can move anywhere in time and be reincarnated at any point in time. Does that mm -hmm. make sense to you? It does. <laughs> I, I like that idea better. You yeah. know, but then when I, all this kind of freaked me out. So when I said to Jude Caravan, who's a psychologist, everyone should read Jude Caravan's books. Um, she taught me a lot. And she said in her experience, most people can only travel into the past, but they can only see our potential futures because we're creating it as we go along. Now, when I was in that heightened state, I saw many of our potential futures and I realized that they were all I was like watching lots of different movies, you know. Mm -hmm. And but it's up to us as to what we do on an everyday lev level as to how the movie ends. So I, I firmly believe I don't believe what Gary Renard said, that, that everything is already set. I believe that certain major events are already set, but the rest is a like, a you know, it's a cake in the making and how the cake works out is up to us and and our and our thoughts and how we go about life is how we're creating our life. Because remember, I talked earlier about the 40,000 thoughts you have every day. But then I went on to a place called Damanhur in Italy. And this was fascinating. Um, about an hour outside Turin, I'd heard about this society. No, it's a community, not a society. And they're, they're a country within a country. They're Damanhurians. And... There's a guy there called Falco, which means the falcon. And I would say that he was born a pretty awake soul because he was always able to remote view. He was always able to levitate. He was always very psychic. So he came in pretty awake. Um, and he believes uh, that he had access to other realities which are existing alongside our own, such as Atlantis. And he started with a few friends about 20 odd years ago to dig by hand some underground temples. 
and they are now known as the temples of Damanhur and they are being hailed as the eighth wonder of the world. They are massive. There are rooms of water, rooms of what I can only describe as like time type machines, healing type machines. They've got one of the largest underground Tiffany domes in the world. There's hieroglyphs. There is writing that I wouldn't know if it's of this planet or not. There are electronic doors, uh, secret doors. I mean, to go, and they're open. You, you know, people can go there and, and they can go down into the temples. They have dance down there. They have meditation down there. And the Damanhurians that live within the community um, obviously go to the temples regularly. But these people have formed a huge, uh, real, uh, sort of what I call a new age uh, eco community. They all live for the good of the community. So they bought lots and lots of houses throughout this huge valley. And so they've got their own bakeries. They've got their own university where they speak, they teach spiritual physics. They've got their own currency. They pay tax to the um, Italian government, but they, by having their own currency, it helps their community to grow. And, you know, the doctors, the lawyers, the bakers, the vineyards, whatever people do for a living, they do that during the day and some of them within the community and some outside it. But they all give several hours a month free to help the community grow and thrive. Um, and their eco homes are now recognized by the United Nations as a template for a new and sustainable way of living. And they decorate many of their houses with massive dolphins and butterflies and insects and plants to remind us and themselves that nature is far bigger than we are. Um, but the temples are, what I realized, the temples are a massive coupling device between this reality and others. And so when I said to Falco, who's a very humble, but I reckon an unbelievably enlightened chap, I would say he's an alchemist in the true sense of the word. Um, he said to me, when I kept asking him about time travel, because I met quite a few people there who claimed to have time traveled, uh, but obviously I have no evidence as to whether that's true or not. Um, but Falco said that time is a space you can navigate. Mm. And people like Rupert Sheldrake, Gary Schwartz, and many of the scientists that have worked at the, um, say, the Stanford Research Institute, even 30, 40 years ago, the Russians, the Americans, the Chinese, they were able to remote view. You know, they were able to be given coordinates of a certain time and a certain place. And good mediums were able to, in their minds, travel to those locations and bring back information as to what was at those locations. And some of their information turned out to have been absolutely correct, but 50 years earlier. Mm. Wow. You know, so, um, but I believe that some people can absolutely travel in their physical bodies. I really, really, really do. But. I, you know, I've got no proof of that. Um, but when you have theoretical physicists like Michu Kaku saying that whatever caused our reality, our universe into being, whatever intended our universe into being must intend many universes into being, you know, our, 
when people think about the Big Bang and they think maybe this is all there is, remember that Big Bang wasn't big at all and there wasn't a bang either. It was just a huge <laughs> release of energy uh, because there's no sound in space, in outer space. Um, and if you had been there at that moment of what is termed the Big Bang, um, about one second after it, the universe, you could have held it in the palm of your hand because it was less than the size of an atom and a million atoms fit behind one human hair. Mm. So, you know, scientists and the spiritual community are now finally coming together. And when people like Michikaku, who like does this wonderful program, I don't know if you get it in the States, called The Universe, when they say to create a universe like ours would take a ridiculously small amount of matter, as little as a net ounce, it really makes you think. Because if we sucked all the empty space out from in between all of our atoms now this minute, this world that we're standing on, Earth, and everything on it would shrink to the size of an apple. That's amazing. You know, size is only relative because we're in space-time. Outside True. of space-time, time does not exist. There's so many things that I've tried to include, you know, so that people can really start to get the bigger picture. I loved Countdown to Coherence. Oh, it's, it's fabulous because it bridges the, the gap between metaphysics and science and people are looking for research like this but sometimes they just don't know where to look or they get lost in the maze of things that you can google and and go on the web and and you don't know which thing to read and here you have spoken with these amazing researchers and and put into context like you said into a, a grounded a grounded context, what, what this really means in everyday life. It, it, I loved when you were talking to Dr. Ledwith, Ledwith, yes. Yeah, and Michal, he is such a laugh. If anybody gets the chance to uh, listen to him, I think he's based in Washington State on the West Coast. Seattle, mm -hmm. he's near Seattle. Um, but he was the theologian that spoke so eloquently in the film, What the Bleep Do We Know?, yeah. And he used to be a professor of um, theology at Maynooth College in Ireland. Um, he, in fact, was like the headmaster there um, for 10 years. And what this guy doesn't know about the mix-ups in religious texts just isn't worth knowing. And he said to me, he said, you know, there are 20,000 religions out there. And most of those people think that their idea of God is right and everybody else's is wrong. And he was absolutely amazing. And he, he told me about amazing misconceptions like, for instance, let me think about it. Okay, apparently the word hell, that derived from uh, when Jesus was doing his teachings. Um, by the way, we have no physical positive evidence that Jesus actually existed. We do not know what he looked like. If he ever wrote anything down, uh, it's never survived. But anyway, that's beside the point. But um, he was now what I've sort of lost the track of what I was saying. Oh, yes, that was it. He said that according to certain biblical tests, uh, texts that when Jesus was teaching people, he said, you know, if you 
um, do ill to another or if you think ill of another or you continuously live a not very kind life, he said you could end up in a place called Gehenna and Shehol. And these were rubbish dumps way outside of Jerusalem where people would uh, bury dead bodies, where wolves would wander at night. And generally, it was not a very nice place to be. And it became known as a very hellish type of place. Um, but as more and more versions of the biblical texts were translated, Gehenna and Shehol uh, became known as hell. They were shortened down to hell. And so suddenly people started saying in biblical teachings that if you did wrong or if you didn't do this or if you didn't worship that or if you didn't say your Hail Marys or whatever it was, you would end up in hell. But Jesus never, there is no such place as hell. That's in our minds. Um, he was talking about a rubbish dump outside of Jerusalem. <laughs> and think how many people have been sent to their deaths. Millions of people who've been burned alive, tortured, and sent to hell or believed that they were going to a place that does not exist because of a misinterpretation. I mean, if you now, I mean, let's talk about I don't know, for instance, if you have a rock star, uh, let's talk about Madonna. And if she makes a statement to the press, if you read her statement in about 30 different newspapers around the world, how many of them do you think would get it right? God, three. Zero. <laughs> you know, not, not very many, I can assure you, because I used to write for the papers. And so the point is, when people are writing down what people once said, and reporting it over time, it gets changed, it gets distorted. And Michal just, and he told me about some ancient texts, which he spent 20 years researching, um, that give good evidence that Jesus became enlightened in Tibet and in India, um, the scrolls of Isa. And he told me that tale, and that again is in his chapter. And I was just, you know, I was just riveted. You know, I mean... Everyone has to find their own truth. And what resonates with me might not resonate with other people. But I don't know that these men and women that I've met, they know an awful lot more than I do. But because I've been through the experience, you kind of learn to know what resonates in your gut and what doesn't. And so I felt that they were telling me ultimate truths. Um, but Mihal also said, you know, he said, Hazel, I mean, for instance, uh, this is this shaman scientist called Alberto Velodo, who is just, oh, I mean, we could speak for hours about him. Uh, mm -hmm. But he told me that at the moment of physical death, all the information in our seven chakras is uploaded into an eight chakra and becomes an orb. Well, of course, that's what I figure happened to me in my bedroom all those years ago. And so I got so excited about this eighth chakra becoming an orb. And I was having a cup of tea with Mihal. And I said, oh, you know, Mihal, what do you think about this eighth chakra? And he said, Hazel, he said, 40,000 children a day are dying of hunger. He said, there are currently 20 wars going on on this planet. And at the time, there'd just been a huge uh, volcanic eruption somewhere. Um, and I can't remember where it was. So he said, do you know, Hazel, he said, when everyone on the planet is being fed and is living in peace, he said, then let's concentrate on the eighth chakra. 
So he he said to me, he said, stop polishing the brass on the Titanic when it's sinking. You know, <laughs> we need to not sweat the small stuff. We need to see the bigger picture. You're listening to Surfing the Psychic Waves on Align Radio. I'm your host, Christina Walsh. My guest today is author Hazel Courtney, and we're talking about her latest book, Countdown to Coherence. It's available on Amazon.com and Barnes & Noble. Let's get back to the interview. Live in this world, but you connect to other worlds so that you can anchor the light in this world because coherence is terribly catching. So the more people that can lighten up, you know, this journey is also meant to be fun. Um, The sooner we can all, you know, the more you have laughter in the world, the more that laughter is infectious and love will spread to other people. Whereas if we keep concentrating on all the fear and the hatred and the religious differences, then Where are we going to find peace if we find peace within our own hearts and that's what we give out, then it will spread. And we need to start doing that very, very, very quickly because this situation in the Middle East, it's one of those potential futures that I saw. And we are at a really crucial crossroads now. And this could turn out really badly if Iran get involved Or if we try and bridge the gap a bit with Iran and make friends with them, then maybe we can calm this whole situation down. But the subjects that we're, the three of us are now discussing, 99% of the world's population don't know anything about. Yeah. You know, those people are so busy just trying to free themselves from oppression and tyranny for 42 years. Um, so they've got quite a long way to go on their own journey. So this is a process that we're all on and some people are further ahead than others, but I congratulate the ones that are further ahead than others because they can teach the rest of us. Uh, Well, and isn't, isn't there also Hazel in your experience a power or that's exponentially greater when there's focused attention on the positive? There's no doubt about it. I mean, the underlying mind, the underlying field of intelligence that we exist inside of at its core is pure coherence. It's pure love. And so I think that the more people, I mean, for instance, they did trials in Bosnia, Kosovo. They've done them in Miami. They've done them in Jerusalem. And when you bring a group of a minimum of about, I think it's the papers, there are all published papers on this. It's either 200 or 300 meditators who have solely, the the only intention they have is to awaken this latent energy that we live inside of this underlying field of intelligence and to anchor it into this reality, to wake it up in this reality, you know, levels of deaths uh, are lowered. Uh, Levels of injuries are lowered. Uh, There are less altercations. Um, In Miami, the crime rate went down. There were less traffic accidents. You know, The power of the mind is huge and the power of the collective mind hugely amplifies 
what we're capable of. So the more of us that join together, because remember, we all came from that one little big bang, that tiny big bang. <laughs> every every atom that ever was or will be, every bit of energy that ever was or will be was birthed in that moment. We are all one at a certain level. So when Deepak Chopra said that to me many years ago when I was at the Sunday Times, I thought, what is this man going on about? But he's right. So although the physics makes me, me and you, you and a tree, a tree, we all appear separate. But ultimately, we are all we all emanate from one source and we all return to that source and we all contribute to that source. Thank you so much, Hazel Courtney, for joining us surfing the psychic waves. You can find Hazel's latest book, Countdown to Coherence, at Amazon.com and Barnes & Noble. So stay tuned for more on Align Radio, where we align with source, abundance, love, healing, spirituality, and more.